0: It's Mark Saxon. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Very happy to be joined by David Sampson. He's the former Marlins team president joining us via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. David, we always appreciate the time, man. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely thrilled to have you on. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because you've been in a front office where you had pitchers that were going through injuries, especially in spring training. And one that we are watching right now here with the Cardinals is Miles Michaelis. He had surgery on his flexor tendon last year. He had to miss the year as a result of that, and now it sounds like it's a shoulder issue for him. What's your experience with guys coming back from something like that flexor tendon issue? Is this typically something that leads to other issues?
1: Well, it depends how honest the player is with the training staff and with the doctors. We often find that players try to come back too early because they want to pitch, and I don't blame them for that. And what happens is you end up changing your mechanics a bit because you want your body and your arm not to hurt when you throw. And so when you change your mechanics a bit, that sometimes can lead to injuries in another part of your arm, which is why you really have to wait for that to heal before you start again. So it should be a concern that the shoulder's hurting. We were always far more scared over my 18 years, far more scared of shoulders than of elbows, believe it or not.
2: Hey, David, you made some um, uh, headlines last week with your comments about Albert Pujol. So People forget, first of all, that the Marlins were one of the teams who were were bidding for Albert at that time, and you referenced kind of about 15 years ago, I think, when they started cleaning up, you know, the ages of a lot of the Dominican players, and your feeling at the time, it sounds like, was that Albert was a few years older than, you know, his, his stated age. H- how much older did you think he was, and in a way... Does, does that make it more impressive what he's been able to do, you know, these last several years, if he's 45 years old, for example?
1: Well, I guess let me start by telling you that uh, what I said about Albert, first of all, and first and foremost, is he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Probably one of the top four hitters I saw in my whole 18 years. Just getting to watch him every day at spring training at Roger Dean and making the trip to St. Louis uh, every single year. he's he's just unbelievably good. What I said was, and I stand by it, is that when we were negotiating with him in 2012, uh, we were looking at a 10-year deal because that's what we thought it would take to get him. We offered him over $200 million, and we thought we had him, and then he ended up getting 40 more overnight from the Angels, so he went to California. And we never asked him about his age. He never lied to us about his age because we never asked him because we didn't care. We had done our own math. And we wanted to get into a new ballpark in Miami with Albert Pujols at first base. We thought the event eventually DH would come to the national league and not thinking it would come because of COVID, by the way. Hmm. And we figured that the last three or four years of the deal, he would not be productive. So the math we did is $40 million a year for the first five years and $0 million per year for the last five years. And that's how we came to 200 because we thought he was worth that much for those first five years of productivity. Whether he's 41 or 43 or 45, it doesn't matter. Uh, The the fact is that so many players felt like they needed to lie about their age because it would give them a bigger signing bonus uh, when they came out of the Dominican or when they were signed internationally. Because if you can be that type of mature hitter and you're 18 versus 20 or 16 versus 19, you're going to get a higher signing bonus. Or think about it. If you're a pitcher and you're throwing 92 and you're 23 years old, you're not going to get much. If you're throwing 92 and you're 17, you're going to get plenty. So there's a lot of incentive, which is why baseball had to take over operations down there and completely streamline how people and players got certified. So I think that that story got a little blown out of proportion. But as I said, I'm not sure there's anybody within baseball who doesn't agree with me. I just think there's people who won't say it because they want to get back into baseball.
0: That's interesting. So we're talking to David Sampson, former Marlins team president. He's joining us here on 101 ESPN. So this was kind of the, the common belief at that point in time, and I would assume now, is that uh, what you're saying is is correct, that Albert was a little bit older than, than he was indicated?
1: Yeah, and it's not like a gotcha thing. So I, that's the like strange part of our world today. I, this was not a gotcha moment for, for me and for Albert. This was just talking about something that was going on back in the day that is not going on anymore because it can't. And I did a whole segment. I have a show called Nothing Personal uh, with David Sampson, which you can get anywhere you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And I did a whole segment saying, listen, Albert Pujols did nothing wrong. He played within the rules that existed at that time. And other players were doing it too. Does that make it great? No. But it, what makes it fine is that everybody knew. So, therefore, no one was signing Albert to deals without – any without knowledge, with incorrect knowledge, it simply didn't matter when we were doing his long-term deal.
2: It's interesting, if you, David, if you look at from a front office perspective, some of the deals that have gone on in the last off season. Have you been surprised at all? For example, the, the Nolan Arenado trade here. You know, Colorado was viewed as not getting. You know, really. Uh, a fair return in terms of players. They were just basically looking to unload the dollars and we've seen some other similar deals. Are you surprised the extent that happened and and do you think that that is not necessarily good for the game in the long run?
1: Well, for Colorado it was a dream come true because the Cardinals gave them $150 million. Mm-hmm. They, the Rockies do not look at it as though they gave 50 to the Cardinals. They look at it as though the Cardinals gave 150 to the Rockies. <clears throat> and that's a matter of saving the franchise because you know that when you signed Arenado in Colorado, you thought you could compete with the Dodgers. You were sort of competing with them, you know, playoffs, fringe playoffs. And then all of a sudden you realize that the Padres passed you and that your window, current window, was closed and that there was really no way with Arenado on the team to field a representative team around him post-COVID. So you might as well find a team to take him, and they got lucky that St. Louis was willing to take him. St. Louis is really good at making trades like that and making it work. Uh, look look at your starting first baseman, but I, I think that uh, it's something that is getting a bad rap for Colorado. I don't blame them for the trade, and for St. Louis, you have to make that deal when you can because I think it gives them the central division – and makes them a real contender in a seven game series against, you know, the Braves, the Dodgers, et cetera.
2: So from your perspective, it almost sounds like you think the Cardinals were the only team would have been any willing to take anywhere near that kind of money at that point?
1: I can only tell you that they when when you give a no trade clause to a player like we did to Giancarlo Stan, which is the only no trade clause I ever gave on a long term deal, which I regretted the minute I did it. And then the Marlins traded him after I was let go and they found the Yankees and it took on all of Giancarlo's money and saved the Marlins franchise. Even though the Marlins put 30 million into it, they saved the Marlins franchise by doing it. It's tough because if Arenado gave a list of teams that he wanted to go to, and this is what the Marlins did to Stanton. They had Stanton traded to St. Louis, actually, by Mm -hmm. the way, Mm -hmm. and to San Francisco, but he wouldn't go to those places. And so the Marlins said, fine, don't go, but just know – that you're going to be on a team that's going to lose 100 games every year because we can't afford to put any players around you, so have fun. And it's very likely the Rockies did that as well with Arenado and said if you don't accept a trade, just know that you're never going to win. So to the extent you want to be rich and win, then you better accept a trade. And when St. Louis came calling, it's just the best of both worlds because who wouldn't want to play in St. Louis? I I spoke to Giancarlo about that all the time. St. Louis is such a great place to play. It's the best fan base. For me and the entire country, we hated going to St. Louis, hated everybody wearing red, never could win games there, just was a nightmare. And uh, that makes it a great place to play if you're on the Cardinals.
0: We're talking to David Sampson, former uh, Marlins team president. As he said, he's the host of the Nothing Personal podcast over on CBS Sports. You can find him there and on Twitter at David P. Sampson, S-A-M-S-O-N. David, I wanted to follow up on that a bit. You mentioned that you think the Cardinals could compete in a seven-game series against basically anybody in the National League. Is this a team that, given the roster talent that they have right now, is this team capable, in your opinion, of winning a World Series, or is there still more that needs to be added here?
1: I think that uh, they need to do what every team needs to do who wins a World Series, is they need to bolster the bullpen later in the season. So I assume they've got enough money available, and and they will. The DeWitts want to win another World Series, I promise you. And you want to get a hot reliever. You can't identify that reliever in March or in April. You identify that reliever in May and June and then acquire him in late June or July. Because every year there are relievers who get hot and that can end up carrying you through October. And then you've got to hope that Flaherty is healthy and good and that Wainwright can be a number three or a number four starter and you, you just want to do anything you can because their pitching and defense is good and you've got to keep it good. I've got some concern about Yachty. Uh, eventually he's going to get older. Maybe not this year, but it just feels like every year it's going to happen. Uh, but he's still so important to have on the team and in the clubhouse. Just a smart move by St. Louis to, to hold on for another year and to bring Wainwright back as well. I love the team from, from start to finish, but I think that adding to the bullpen will be necessary.
0: And one thing we've been talking a lot about, David, in this offseason is what the pitching is going to look like as a kind of, if you look at it from the whole, as opposed to just individually, how do you think these teams are going to handle the innings this year coming off of the 60 game season? Have have you talked with anybody? Do do you have any sort of insight as to how these teams are going to view that? Do you think they're going to rein them in a little bit or is this full bore?
1: Yeah, it's straight panic right now in the front offices around baseball because, the last time these pitchers pitch complete seasons, it's going to be two years. And it is not great to ramp up from 90 innings or 100 innings up to 180 or 200 innings, no matter what a veteran you are, um, whether you're a veteran or not. So I think that later on in the season, the teams that survive are going to be teams that have depth because there's going to be injuries on the pitching side. There's going to be injuries on the hitter's side and lack of performance because the hitters, when they get later in the season, and they're starting to get to 400 at-bats, let's say. They're just going to be tired. You know, they're not taking amphetamines anymore. There's only so much Red Bull and Cuban coffee you can have, and they just get tired. So I think the depth is going to matter a lot, and St. Louis has always been really good about that. And that's why I think their main competitor is the Dodgers, because they've got so much depth. But uh, uh, that's, that's what I'm looking for is how many pitchers get injured and which team gets the luckiest in terms of health.
0: He's David Sampson, former Miami Marlins team president. You can hear him on the Nothing Personal podcast with CBS Sports. David, always enjoy our conversations, man. All the best to you, and we'll talk with you again soon, my friend.
1: Look forward to it. Have a great day.